Welcome to the Double Shot 2024 edition. I'm joined by Mitch. This is James, by the way. Uh, Mitch, Happy New Year and welcome to 2024. Yeah, Happy New Year, James. Pleasure to be here again in 2024. I think we owe an apology to the listeners, though, because we did say... Well, we did caveat it, but we said that we could possibly have been back on the 15th for a last week drop, but nonetheless, here we are. Yeah, it wasn't organised enough last week. No. Uh, hey, uh, you've just gone to Melbourne yeah. for um, uh, business, but uh, Australian Open on at the moment, and, and I got obviously the one-year-old, so I'm glued to the TV. Mm. In the, I got it on in the background because it sort of helps to just uh, pass the time by sometimes. Mate, how was it? Did Mate, you manage to, I, to get in? I didn't get to attend the event, but I can say that just getting around the city, there's an absolutely buzz, uh, you know, like a massive buzz going on. It's such a well-run event. I reckon leaving the airport Sunday, which was yesterday, one in three people had that AO merch on. Like it was just crawling with people that had obviously flown in for the weekend to attend the event. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it looks like uh, it's been a, a good event and, the Australian Alex Demonor. I'm not massive into tennis, but I know that you watched that. How was that game last night? Uh, well, I didn't watch all of it. That's way past my bedtime. But uh, I watched the first few sets, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good game. He fell away a bit in the end. Mm. Uh, what struck me though is, mm. and, and we're recording this on the Monday. There is an absolute heat wave going through oh. Brisbane, Gold Coast, Southeast Queensland at the moment. What mm. struck me was watching all these people, it's a beautiful day in, in Melbourne and people are in jumpers in the middle of, of summer and I'm I'm sitting in my house just sweating because it's so humid. That's yeah. what struck me. I don't Mate, know why, the, but the that, weather that in, just struck me. The weather in Melbourne was perfect, particularly coming from what we're going through at the moment. Low of 14, high of 22, sun out intermittently, but overcast, clear. It was, um, it, it was great weather having been through all these heat waves and, and, and rainy days lately. I was saying to Han over the weekend, I think it's the hottest summer mm. I've experienced in Queensland for at least a decade. Like yeah. there, there's not going to go near global warming, anything <laughs> like that, but it is is seriously hot summer. Like the, it's, oh. it's smashing us up here. Mate, isn't it? I, I can't remember being this hot and I'm talking about right now, today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you catch the, um, like I obviously love golf. Um, did you catch what happened in the golf over the weekend? With no, the, um, amateur. not my sport, not yeah. my sport. Mm. So, so a 20-year-old amateur who's a um, student at the University of Alabama, sophomore student, has won the American Express event in California. First time an amateur has won on the PGA Tour in 33 years. The last person to do it was our man Filthy Mickelson. He did it in 91. But the craziest thing is because of their amateur status, his name's Nick Dunlap, he doesn't get paid, so he doesn't get the $1.5 million check for winning. That defaults to the runner-up. So imagine going through, winning an event and not being able to cash in the $1.5 for a 20-year-old student. Now, yeah. look, it obviously opens up, you know, some, some great things for him in his golf career, like invites to majors, um, no doubt some endorsement deals. And I think the, the students in, um, the, or the college students in America have that nil valuation way that they can earn money. But, geez, $1.5 million cash uh, to the runner-up. So good question, day for him. Question without notice, uh, good bloke test. If you were the runner-up, would you be giving this young 20-year-old any of the $1.5 million oh, that have, you've just pocketed? Mate, you'd have to be tipping him 10% at least. 10%? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Tied us? <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you reckon? Mate, yeah. JB, I know you're not mic'd up, but 10%, is that is that tight us? 
Mate, exactly. Oh, he nothing. didn't make the you rules. You can't give him nothing. He, he didn't write the rules. You adhere to them strictly. 10% not bad. Plus, you know, this guy's going to go on to be, you know, uh, have, a, have a fantastic career. But, yeah, it would, you would feel bad as the runner-up just getting the 1.5 mil. Uh, you can't compare it to hospitality rates. <laughs> JB's trying to compare it to hospitality rates. <laughs> oh. Well, look, uh, I've got no idea if we've lost the listeners there because I don't know if any of them have got an interest in golf. If you do, sure what, a great, what a great start to the podcast for you. Even but if you don't, they've got an interest in money. I'd imagine. So that's well, uh, and they've all learnt that you're a tight ass <laughs> out of this podcast well, already. Well, geez, I'm surprised I hadn't figured that out earlier. <laughs> so, James, you mentioned Heatwave, and absolutely, but not everyone's disappointed with the Heatwave. In fact, some people may look to cash in on it, and I'm talking about an app that we've discovered which allows owners of pools to effectively rent them out Airbnb style on a sharing platform exactly like Airbnb but specifically for pools. So how about that? Yeah, don't mind the name too. By the way, well done on, on changing topic very quickly from you being a tight ass. <laughs> but, um, but yes, you're right. It, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's sweltering in, in, in all of Queensland at the moment, Sydney probably similar. So you'd imagine you're probably not, not going to get away with it for the whole year. You're probably getting six weeks... Yeah. Maybe eight weeks where you can actually rent it out. But um, it is a great innovation because so many people have probably got pools that, that just don't get used. And mm. there's probably so many people who don't have access to a pool that would love the access to a pool. Well, so I, I, I qualify for the, the, the second category you mentioned, those without pools. And it's certainly something I'd look into, I think. Like we, we obviously go to the beach, but sometimes, you, you know, you'd want to just sit by a pool, swim in the chlorine, no sand. Mm. Um, it certainly certainly opened up my eyes on, on ability to get a, get a pool, that's for sure. What I was blown away by is the fact that 3.5 million Australians live in a house that, that has a swimming pool. Yeah. Out of 26 million people. So that, that's about, uh, what, just over one in ten uh, people live in a house with a pool. Mm. Um, did that number surprise you? That seemed high did, to me. Yeah, it did seem high. I was thinking, wow, that's a lot of people with pools. I mean, we haven't fact-checked it, mind you. But well, it's, it's it's a survey that was run by Roy Morgan. so oh, we're very re- reputable. We're very reputable. relying on yeah. their data, which we have no reason uh, to suspect otherwise. Um, but it doesn't surprise you of how they're weighted as far as pool owners across the country, does it? So, for example, 24% of that 3.5 million you referenced live in Queensland in regional areas. So mm. I'd imagine, I think in this data set, that regional areas also include the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. So 24% there. On the other end of the scale, it's probably no surprise that 8% of those, so that's the lowest amount of uh, people that own pools are located in regional Victoria. So you probably don't get the chance to swim in a pool in regional mm. Victoria too often. Um, so, yeah, 14%. Uh, wow. In three, the middle. Three and a half million people. You would assume the majority of them are, are owner-occupiers. I'm sure not all, but, mm. but you'd assume the majority are owner-occupiers. Mm. Uh, what, I can, what I can say without a, without a shadow of a doubt is I had an investment property with a pool. I've, mm. si- I've since knocked it over. Mm. Uh, the, worst, the worst thing you could do from an investment point of view is have a pool. Yeah. It is an absolute money pit. I'd imagine, yeah. I've got, I've got a pool at my own home. The pool in my investment property must cost three times what the pool cost in my own home. I don't know why, mm. but it just seemed to. So I could yeah, not recommend pro- anything more. And tenants, if you're a tenant listening, you're probably going to really despise me for this because <laughs> you might be hitting up your landlord as we speak. But 
could not be more against something than putting a pool in an investment property, absolute money pit. Yeah, and just before we move on from this topic, you as a pool owner, do you think you would ever consider renting it out? Well, when when we was talking about the article, I did I I did think about it, and I guess my house probably isn't that conducive for it because mm. it's all open plan. Yes, so it'd be hard to. It's not like that. They'd be sort of in in, in my grill, so to speak. Um, yeah. There'd be instances, maybe later in life. I could certainly see it once the kids were grown up and you weren't using it. I think it'd suit, you know, sort of like the empty nest up perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, seventy-five bucks an hour. I saw some rented out for. You well, rent mate, out was, ten hours a week, seven hundred and fifty bucks. There was some where you could rent the pool, the pool house, and a tennis court. Yeah, all of like that. So a couple hundred bucks. But Very and, innovative. And, and, and a couple of people on 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 the website say they're making two grand uh, a year yeah. out of it, which. Handy money. Very handy. All right, Mitch, I think we we really do. We've waffled on a little bit at the start of this podcast. But, hey, we're, we're rusty. We're rusty. We haven't uh, done it for a few weeks. Um, let's talk about some of the meat and bones, though. Property price data at the end of December, which takes a whole year. Mm. So it's probably the, it's the best time to get the data because it's literally giving you a year in the rearview mirror. Uh, do you want to maybe talk us through where did the property market finish the yeah, year so, that was 2023? So calendar year 2023, the Australian median house price, and that's houses excluding, you know, units and, and townies, um, rose by 10%. So if you had bought a property beginning of January, Across the combined capitals rose by 10% or equivalent to about 95,000. So mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, front runner Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide and, and Perth. Um, Sydney was up 12.5% year to date or to December 2023. Um, works out to be about 175,000 that properties rose by That's a lot in of money. Sydney, which is, which is a lot of money, yeah. Um, Brisbane up 13.3%. So about 116,000 as far as the the dollar value growth in in Brisbane across 2023. And then Perth at 15.6% was the highest um, amount of growth across the combined capitals um, at about 107,000 in dollar figures. Adelaide 8.6% coming off a a phenomenal run the previous year as well. So yeah, all in all, um, house prices across every capital city in Australia uh, rose, um, were positive. So yeah, take that how you will. Um, but we sort of navigated. Econ- to- how, many, how many how many economists do you think forecast prices would grow by ten percent? I'd go zero out of fifteen. <laughs> they, they I reckon even though they're up by even when they're up by seven percent, two thirds of the way through the year they didn't even revise their forecast to ten percent. Like it, it is it is pretty impressive given that you know, what we navigated through as far as the interest rate environment in twenty twenty three. So I think it that is. those numbers are pretty good given that what, I don't know how many interest rate, envi- about 13 interest rate envi- uh, interest rate increases since it was at 0.1 and mm-hmm. a large portion of those being in 2023. So mm. yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, the interesting part for me is Sydney kept going. So everything everything goes up and down as a percentage of Sydney. That, yes. That's that's what we know about property prices. Is that uh, Melbourne? See every every city that is smaller than Sydney, which is all the all the other big ones, go up and down as a percentage of the Sydney median house price. So probably what did surprise me personally is that Sydney kept going because we still haven't seen those smaller capital cities have their run. 
Mm. Sydney and Melbourne have had a really good decade of growth. Mm. Um, Brisbane uh, and Adelaide are, are still, I think, what, 60s, early 60s for Brisbane. 63% in Brisbane, I think. Um, yep. and Adelaide, said, yeah, Adelaide, early 50s, would you yeah, say? Yeah, 49%. And where does and Adelaide and, and Brisbane where where do they get to as a as a percentage of Sydney respectively? So Brisbane will get as high as eighty percent of Sydney's median house price. So it's currently sitting at sixty three percent. As you say, it looks like there should be a run coming at some point, particularly with infrastructure projects to you know to be delivered for the Olympics, population internally throughout Australia going to Queensland, um, and Adelaide gets as high as seventy percent. Currently at you know fifty percent thereabouts. So yeah, th- those two markets certainly stand out as ones where you know you, you can foresee um, you know some accelerated growth there over the short term for sure. Which makes sense, right? Like you know if you if you live in Adelaide, let's say as an example, and 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 or, or you don't live in Adelaide, you live in Sydney, and you're looking at Adelaide, and you're saying, well, I can go and buy and, and live in Adelaide for fifty percent. I think you said of, yeah, so of the, the median house seven hundred and sixty grand median house price in Adelaide there against against one point. Four in in Sydney, yeah, and you're thinking, yeah, I've, I'm not going to probably get the career that I, I would I would be getting in Sydney. Um, certainly not the income, but am I going to get paid fifty percent as much? Doubt it. No, Ma- maybe seventy percent to 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 sort of get to the the number that you just mentioned. I, I could understand seventy percent. Yeah. So you do you, you come out way ahead, which I think 2024 those. Cheaper, more affordable markets, mm. safe bet for mine. I've yeah. no idea what the overall property market's going to do. I, th- I think there's certainly some headwinds and tailwinds. Um, yeah, so I, I think could see an Perth, both, but. Perth, probably the biggest sleeper for me. We get a lot of questions about Perth, but to your point, Perth's median house price is less than Adelaide's. So I think Perth's at about 690 as at Adelaide at 760 And I reckon your household income is probably higher in Perth than it is in Adelaide. Um mm. Absolutely, it would be. Bigger city. So there you go. I think that there's certainly some value there. And in terms of interest rates, I mean, that'll be the interesting one. When do interest rates come down? That seems to be where the narrative has gone now. It's it's not whether or not interest rates keep increasing. I I think, you know, the inflation data came out Mm. for November at 4.3%, which is is well down on on the 8.4% that it sat at uh, at the end of 2022. Yeah. So we've seen a, a big improvement in, in inflation. It's getting pretty close now to that 3% mark that the Reserve Bank is targeting. Mm. I don't think it means rates will come down anytime soon, but I certainly think, you know, we've hit the the plateau mm. and could certainly see, and, and most people seem to agree, that in the back half of this year, interest rates start to come down. Now, we're going to see that happen at about the same time that we're going to see the tax cuts come in from the government. Yeah. And what, if you ju- haven't July been, this year? July 1, yep. the tax uh, cuts come in. So from July 1 this year, people will have more disposable income. Uh, I think I saw the numbers the other day that um, someone earning, you know, $100,000 would, would get about an extra $2,500 in, in income, mm. 150 Fifty thousand would be about another four or five thousand, and and two hundred fifty thousand would be nine thousand. So it's, it 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 gets even bigger the 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 higher the income, because some of those lower incomes got some tax cuts in in yes. recent years. Yeah. So it's now those sort of higher income uh, tax cuts. Couple that with interest rates going down, and you could see people having more borrowing capacity in the second half of this year, and and maybe a, another run in the market. Um, you know, if not if not. Uh, you know, certainly in those smaller capital cities. Yeah, no, I agree with all of that. 
So James, you spoke about inflation in the context of interest rates, and that's certainly a um, data set that the RBA look at in that they try to target three to four percent. Another thing that they will look at when determining the monetary policy is jobs, and in particular unemployment. Um, and we saw in December that some job data was released by the ABS, um, whereby the number of people in jobs fell by 65,000 in December from previous record levels. Mm. So effectively, the unemployment rate held at about 3.9%. It started off the year around 3.2%. So we've we've sort of had a rise in unemployment, still at like historically low levels, right? Which like, when you've added half a million people to well, the country, it's, yeah. it's actually amazing it's, that it's, it's amazing. only jumped that much. Correct. But it does sort of seem to indicate that, as you were saying with inflation down, um, the writing's on the wall for a easier interest rate environment and that we certainly shouldn't see them continue to increase, uh, increase rates after inflation and, and unemployment sort of is trending. Yeah, well, Reserve Bank would be happy because uh, inflation, uh, you know, big big driver for inflation is if people are getting paid more, um, that's going to obviously cause people to pay more for because they've got more, more disposable income. Uh, so the Reserve Bank, in addition to seeing inflation come down, would be hoping that, that that wages aren't increasing. And obviously when you've got a really, really low unemployment rate, people are hard to find, so you have to pay them more. That, that's, that's the byproduct. So the Reserve Bank would be encouraged by seeing uh, that that unemployment rate move. It's still 3.9%, so it's still crazy low. But I think what was interesting is that we shed about 106,000 jobs in December. Mm. Um, which which was a big chunk of the jobs that were put on in October, November. Um, the unemployment didn't change because we added a bunch of part-time jobs. So it's sort of like a um, – it's not, not quite a true reflection of, of what's happening. We, mm. we did see the full-time jobs drop back. It makes um, sense that, you know, there would be an increase at that time of year for part-time roles, like particularly with cyber yeah. – sales, you know, the Black Black Friday, Cyber Monday, as yeah. well as the Christmas period. So uh, obviously there'd be demand at that time of year for part-time work. All but guarantees that the Reserve Bank, when they meet in February, probably going to do nothing with interest rates, uh, at least for the first meeting or two. Um, Matt, I want to I just talk about one more thing before we, we've, I've got something else that I want to get to, but before I do, um, home builders, now, mm. we were big on last year and, and we were blown away by that statistic at the back end of last year of, of the profit margin or the profit that some of the biggest builders in Australia were making yeah. off the turnover. I think from memory, Hutchies was um, Over 10 million or something off 3 nah. billion. Like it was, yeah. Yeah, it was super, super low margin. 0.2% in profit margins basically. Um, yes. And, and probably trending down this year. Well, then it should come as no surprise that the construction insolvencies nearly doubled in 2023 uh, compared to the previous year. Yeah. So we've seen uh, nearly a doubling, 70%. Yep. Um, so not quite. Y- you'd hope that with inflation coming back, um, you know, with the unemployment, all that all that stuff would hopefully be making it a bit easier to, to build. Yeah. So you hope that they're through the worst of it. Well, I think um, you... But it would have been such a tough time to be a builder. Oh, yeah. I, I think, you know, a lot of those insolvencies were probably still related to work that was secured during the pandemic when costs were escalating at a rapid rate month on month. I think today having, you know, what we're seeing on the ground and speaking to builders, it certainly seems to be getting a bit easier in terms of mm. the cost environment whereby they've got to, um, well, builders are, aren't sort of 
factoring in all these crazy escalations, they're getting a little bit more certainty on what supplies are charging for materials. I think labour though, probably still the, the, the key issue affecting um, construction at the moment. Like, you know, a lot of shortage of trades and, and stuff that's still being spoken about. So, Well, the other thing that's probably contributing is that we're not building as many houses, which that's a tough one because it's probably helping to level out inflation. But we're, we're going to build about 165,000 houses this year, which for most people will mean nothing and, and, and fair enough. What it means to give it some context though is it's the lowest number of houses that we will have built since 2013. And, and that's at a time, as you mentioned, where we've had the highest amount of migration in 15 years. So, yeah. so we're at an 11 year low of housing starts and we're at a 15 year high in migration. So just simply based on supply and demand, that's going to create, um, you know, even more issues in, in the, the supply shortage that we're going through. And we'll probably end up in having upward pressure in, in, in values moving forward for 2024. Well, you know, the, you can get analysis paralysis, can't you, on, uh, mm. on investing, on property, on shares, on all that. And we know nothing about shares, and uh, but but we do know a bit about property. And, and to be honest with you, it isn't that complicated. It's it's basic supply demand. If you can sort of get in an area where there's a little bit more or a lot more demand than there is supply, um, you know, then then you 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 you're getting the probability to be stacked in your favour. Mm. Now you need a little bit of luck, and 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 you know, you got to take a long term view. All those sort of prudent things, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's really just a de demand supply equation, isn't it? It is, yeah, absolutely. Whew, I'm going to take a breath. I'm a bit fatigued. <laughs> haven't haven't had to do the uh, the podcast for a few weeks. I'm not I'm not I'm not podcast fit. Yeah, um, I got <laughs> yeah, it. I'll tell I've you what you are fit though. I, I saw your Strava over the um, over the Christmas period, and that 10k splits just oh, coming mate. in. What are you, four, four and a half minute Ks running in 38 degree heat? Yeah. Outrageous behaviour. Well, yeah, when you've got a one-year-old, you, you'll understand why you want to get out of the house and run away as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. anyway, thought you've got a dog and strapped your watch to its legs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only kidding, Han. I love spending time with you and uh, Davey. I love, love, love it. Um, she does listen to the pod. Yeah. Be no. careful there. Hey, uh, now, I, I don't know why I didn't start with this, but it, 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 it Completely slipped my mind. Famously last year, you went to Bali. You were one of, by the way, like 120,000 Australians who went to Bali last year. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Yep. But you went to Bali and you, you had a honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, it was a honeymoon. You well, went and spent your honeymoon money before you'd even been married. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, I don't mind that. But I thought like, yeah, like how far can you kick the can down the road before you've, Got to ultimately bite the bullet and, and get married. Yeah, well, and, and and lo and behold, last week I get a text from your beautiful fiance, your very patient fiance. Yes, uh, Katie, who tells me that you've chosen Star Wars Day, May the fourth <laughs> this year. That's to just finally make 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 a you know an honest uh, honest woman out of Katie, honest man out of you. Yes. Yes, that it didn't occur to me at all that May the 4th was Star Wars Day until you pointed it out to me. And I'm thinking who in the guest list might be attending a cosplay for Star Wars <laughs> ahead of my wedding. But either way, the, we'll be able to fill the gaps, no problems. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll tell you what, if, if you've, you haven't seen two people milk a wedding like you're about to see out of us, advanced honeymoon, two-day affair, 
as far as the wedding celebrations and then the ultimate post-honeymoon as well, I reckon. Oh, you go, that's what I was going to ask. So yeah. you're going on a honeymoon even though <laughs> you've sold spending the honeymoon kitty on, on a pre-honeymoon. You're but, still going to have a honeymoon anyway. It's look, just a holiday. Look, I think we labelled it as honeymoon, but it was basically a surf trip. So Just call it a holiday. Yeah, well, e- either way. But no, just to, to round out on that, um, 2019... Uh, record a number of Australians went to Bali. It, it was the favourite destination of Aussie travellers abroad, 120-odd thousand. We will beat that number. We beat that number, in fact, in 2023. So more Australians went to Bali in 2023 than ever on record, and you were one of them. Was one of them, yeah. And it look, so we're... Uh, My sister was one of them too, by the way. I've, I could count on, well, more than my hands and feet friends that went to Bali in 2023. But um, so we're back to post-COVID levels now, basically. Um, yes. Like tw- yes. 19 was pre-COVID and you're saying we had more people go to Bali last year than we did prior to COVID, which there you go, you're back. And, and it certainly is buzzing over there, like wow, it's populated. You know, you, you used to be able to go there and sort of uh, surf local breaks um, where it wasn't too crowded, but it's sort of similar to the Gold Coast. And sorry, I've totally fluffed that. It's mm. 120,000 people just in November. Yeah, that was just for the month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. that's uh, an enormous amount of people to be going from Australia to another country in just one month yeah. of November. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Hey, um, we'll wrap it up. Uh, any other, uh, just in case we still have any listeners listening along, it might only be the people who like the golf part. Any uh, <laughs> any any golf wisdom to, to show the guys? Any 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 shows that you maybe caught over, shows, the, uh, um, over the Christmas? Uh, a book? I don't think you're a reader, but... No, any, I am, any I am a reader. No, up, I, I, I am a reader, but I, I don't probably read the, the boring tripe that you get into. I read the... Uh, <laughs> what, books I'm, with words? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading Harlan Coben's books at the moment. He, oh, okay. um, he's like a true crime. Ooh. Oh, sorry, not true crime, like fictional crime writer and uh, has developed a few of his books into series on Netflix. So on that note, I'm going to tip you into a couple of them, whether you want to grab the book or, or the Netflix. You have to Google what the books are called because they're different from the Netflix titles. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give you two. Mm-hmm. One called Stay, which is a Harlan Coben book being adapted into a series. Mm-hmm. And then another one called, oh, God, the name's just escaped, escaped me, but it's In Focus or Stay focused or something like that. It's it's in trending on Netflix, so you'll find it. Harlan Coben series, any Harlan, of them are good. Harlan Cove. Okay, good tip, good there tip. There you go, yeah. Well, I, I read Blood Moon, which is a, a book about a detective um, si- similar, but I wouldn't recommend it because my, my father-in-law tipped me into it mm. and I got about a third of the way through when I realised it was the 13th book in the series. Oh, no. Um, oh, and I was thinking, no. I was thinking, man, this book started fast. Like there's so much backstory 13. that they just haven't told you about. 13 books? Yeah, 13. So book what, you started series. writing in 40 years ago or something? Oh, I don't the know. The author. <laughs> no, I think he pumps out one a year. Yeah, right. But yeah, I don't know why my father-in-law just tipped me into the 13th book in the series. Yeah, um, that's a... That's to a, start um, with. But anyway, anyway that one, but, uh, the whole series would be worth starting at book one, though. There you go. Harry, Harry Hole. Hey, uh, have, a, have a great uh, first week back. If it's your first week back, guys, if you've worked through, hope mm-hmm. you've had a uh, still a break in the meantime. Uh, enjoy the Australia Day long weekend. And yeah, And we will be back next week to uh, hit you with uh, an improved Improved podcasts. We, we admit that our standards probably weren't great first one back of the year, but that's right. We're just warming up, warming up our way into the year. Thanks again. And guys. hey, sorry, one more thing before I go. Um, 
anyone's wondering how Alex is or where Alex is, I caught up with her when I was in Melbourne. I met um, her wonderful newborn and um, she's doing fantastic and uh, said to say a big hello to all the listening audience. There we go. Love you, Alex. We miss you. We miss you. All right. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the doubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is the doubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.